0: Good morning church, how are we all doing? Come on, we're in the house of God, the first day of the week, it is the best day of the week. So before we sit, let's open in prayer quickly and just trust God to speak through His Word this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank You, Lord. Blessed are You, Lord God, Creator of the universe. Everything comes from You and is for You, Father God. And today, Father God, I have no doubt that You want to speak into the hearts of Your people, Lord. And I just pray that Your Word that is the most authoritative uh, word, word that we have, Father God, would just, it would take root. It would be like a seed that takes root in our heart, Father God, that starts to build strong root system, Father God, on a strong foundation of you. So I pray that you speak to us today. Silence our minds, silence our hearts, Father God, so we may align with you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. If you believe that, high five six people and say, it's good to have you in church this morning. Six, that's right, because we are all about fitness here at this church and we're about greeting and happiness. Um, good morning. For most of you that don't know me, my name's Dito. I'm part of the Dream Team here at View Church, and it's just such a privilege uh, to be sharing God's Word with you. It's something that I'm passionate about, and I'm really looking forward to it. So you guys have joined us in our second week of our Built to Lost series. Uh, our Built to Lost series covering literally four areas of our lives that we could actually build upon. And so the foundation is Jesus Christ. And we believe that there's principles through the Word of God that teaches us to build. And so over these four weeks, uh, we are going to be focusing on building a, an identity which is from God. And building our strong marriages on the rock of of Jesus Christ and our families on the rock of Jesus Christ. And today I'm going to be talking about none other than building your finances upon the rock of Jesus Christ. And some of you went, did I choose to come to church today? But don't worry, I believe God is going to speak to you uh, this morning. So... um, and to kick it off, Matthew seven, twenty four to twenty five says this anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is like a wise person who builds their house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and flood waters rise and the wind beats against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on a strong bedrock. Come on, that's Jesus' word, and so today I pray that you you don't just hear the logos of, of what's been spoken out of the word. There are two things to the word. There's the logos, it's the, the story of the word, uh, but then there's a revelation, which is the rhema. And I pray that today you would receive a rhema word through God's principles. And so I'm going to be covering six principles out of God's word not out of Dieter's word, out of God's word, uh, that literally teaches us how to manage our finances, how to build our finances on a strong foundation of Jesus Christ. How many of you stopped this morning to pray and thank God for gravity? Hey, how many of you literally stopped to pray and thank God for gravity? You know, um, Gravity is actually very important to us. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but gravity is hugely important. Without gravity, we would be in trouble. And, you know, they describe a person being down to earth to be somebody that's kind of grounded or somebody that's humble. But the truth is, it's not humility, but gravity that is a natural phenomenon that pulls everything together and keeps us grounded. It's the thing that keeps all our objects on the ground, and without it, we would be in trouble. So, again, I want to ask you a question. How many of you stopped to pray and thank God for gravity this morning? Thank you, Jesus, for gravity. Do you know that if gravity had to be removed for five seconds, do you know what would happen? The earth would continue to spin, and we would decide to float up. Like most of those pictures in NASA where you see floating around, objects in us would start to just go up while the earth continues to spin. And a loss of gravity would also mean that the planet would stop pulling down air and water uh, uh, in the Earth's atmosphere and we'd have an apocalyptic devastation. Because as the, the, the Earth all of a sudden has a significant loss in air pressure, immediately your inner eardrum will start to shatter You know like when you go up on a high mountain and you feel the pressure in your ear or you go under water deep enough, there's a pressure, immediately your inner eardrum would start to shatter. That You know that concrete structures would start to collapse because of the lack of oxygen. We all know about H2O, but imagine H2O, which is water without O. It means that there would be no oxygen, and so water would turn to hydrogen gas, which would immediately cause explosions amongst every living cell. So I want to let you know that you would be gone in one second. You wouldn't be alive to find out what happened if gravity disappeared for five seconds. How many of you stopped to pray for gravity this morning? How I many of you are glad that we have gravity? Thank you, Jesus. I, when I read this stuff, I'm going like, how can you not believe that there's a God who created this stuff and put it all in, in, in perfect order? You know, I believe that God has these amazing laws, thermodynamics that he puts in. Gravity, the laws of gravity. Newton, obviously, in 1659 comes together with this. But it's God that created it. And it's perfectly put together. And it's, it falls within these perfect principles and these laws. How about that law of mobility? How many of you know if you stop moving, you would get weaker? Lie in bed long enough watching Netflix and don't move. And your body becomes weaker because actually there's a law that in mobility we get strength. If you want to get exercise, you have to grow your core strength, which takes mobility that continues to build your strength up. And we need to realize that when you start exercising, how many of you know it's not the best part? Because the start of something can sometimes be painful. But if you stick it out and you're consistent enough, you could reap the rewards of strength on the back end of mobility. It's no different to our finances. God puts principles in his word of God, which are laws and principles of finances that help us guide our lives to build it on the rock, which is the foundation of Jesus Christ. But just like gravity, if we don't put it into practice, we could reach devastation. And just like exercise and mobility, if we don't practice it consistently, you become weaker at what you do. And so today I want to talk about six quick principles through the word of God that we could be practically apply in Our lives, I believe many people live their lives under tension of money. It's crazy how much Jesus actually spoke about money. 15% of his ministry was actually dedicated to speaking on money. Over 2,300 verses in the Bible and 11 of the parables out of the 39 Jesus spoke on money. Why? Because some people think you're in control of your money, but the way we live, we let our money control us. And Jesus knows that the one thing that can take your heart, even said in Matthew 6, uh, 21, he says that for where your treasure lies, your heart will be too. And Jesus knows that we can allow the spirit of mammon to take control of it. You know, the Bible doesn't say in the end times you'll serve either God or Satan. It actually says you'll either serve God or... Jesus wants to have your heart. And so he wants you to get your order In place. And so today we're going to talk about God's laws of financial freedom, God's internal laws of finance. So if you um so let's look at the first one quickly. I'm gonna jump in it just because of time's sake. So we're gonna look at the law of ownership. This is the most important one you need to get first. Okay. The law of ownership, if you don't understand this, you will always struggle with finance. And so this is the most important one. The first point is remember God is your source. He's the source of everything. (laughs) Do you know how many people believe their salary is their source and their savings is their security? Well, those things can be taken from you. And if something can be taken from you, it's not the source. You see, God is the source of everything. He's created everything, and in the beginning, there was God, and then He created everything. God is the source of everything. Everything you have didn't belong to you before you were born, and after you did, it'll belong to somebody else, because God is the actual source of everything. And if you can't get this revelation that everything comes from God, you will always struggle to apply any other principle in your walk with Christ. We need to believe that God is the source of everything. God is. When one door closes on your life, when you put God as the source and know that He's the source and you catch this, you'll realize that when you put God in that space, in everything in your life, you'll know that when one door closes, another one will open in Jesus' name. You'll know that when one do- window closes, God will just open another window of opportunity because He's the source. Your source is not in your, your, your salary and your security is not in your savings, it's in the Father that created everything. And is still creating things every single day, Deuteronomy 8:18 8, says, "But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives the ability to produce to produce what? Thank you <laughs> But remember that the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant with which he swore to his ancestors as it is today. Like, if you're going to circle something in that scripture and you've got your Bibles out, why don't you circle the word ability and produce? Because God has given you the ability to produce. Some of you feel that, oh, I'm just so bad with money. No, this Word of God says that God's given you the ability to produce. You see, God wants you to be proactive in what you do because He's already equipped you to be able to do that. And it's how you apply these principles to your life that allows you to do this. Know and understand this, that God wants you to be productive. He wants you to be financially productive. And there is nothing wrong with prospering so long as it's in line with God's will. Not your will. I remember Andre once um, preaching a sermon to our youth, and it was called Makers and Takers. And he said, you know what? In the world, you've always got two people. You've got people that are makers, and you've got people that are takers. And so he says, you know, the the makers, they stay up all night thinking about how they can produce and improve. Do you know what takers do? They sleep calmly. Calmly. Because they don't have, they lack the passion because they let somebody else make something so they can take something. And in every economy, there are wealth makers and wealth takers. But there always seems to be more wealth takers than makers. How do we know this? Because if it wasn't so, we wouldn't have such a debt crisis in our country. A lot of us want to take more than we literally make. And God's principles teach us that we need to realize that God has given us the ability to produce. Romans eleven thirty six says, For everything comes from him and exists by his power and in, uh, intended for his glory, all glory to him forever. You see, this principle of ownership says that God owns it all and he loans it to you. The biblical stewardship teaches what you think you own is actually really on loan. Because you don't really own anything. It wasn't yours before you were born. And when you're done, and you're finished, which is a time for everybody, it won't be yours anymore either. But when it is, is in the 70 or 80 years, God says, steward what I provide. And that's our role, is to steward what God has given us. God wants us to never forget that he's the source of everything. This is a principle that in everything in the Bible is key. Okay, so if you figure that out, the rest of this will be easier. The second one is honor God first. If you want to have a blessed life, put God first in your life. If you want to have a blessed family, put God first in your family. If you want to have a blessed career, put God first in your career. If you want to have a blessed relationship, put God first in your relationships. If you want to have a blessed time, put God first in your time. If you want to have a blessed business, put God first in your business. And if you want to have a blessed finance, put God first in your finance. You see, this is called the principle of tithing. The principle of tithing is the the principle of firsts. It's putting God first. You see, the next four scriptures I'm going to quickly read out to you will offer you the promise of tithing. It will offer you the purpose of tithing, the place of tithing, and the day in which we are meant to tithe. So let's go through it quickly. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says, Honor the Lord your God by giving him all your leftovers and any junk you don't want anymore. (laughs) Do you know how many times we as a church, somebody goes... I'm moving house, and I just wanted to find out if the church needs like a whole bag of old shoes. Wow, that's a blessing. Like, that's not like putting God first. That's like going, hey, let's give him everything that's left over in junk. And I'm not saying we don't give and recycle, but what I am saying is it's the priority in which we did. We only do it because we needed to get rid of something. The shoe fits. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. This is the promise of God. I want to let you know a promise from God is not an obligation on you to fulfill, it's always the obligation on him, and he wants to fulfill that. And some of us forget that, and we try and achieve the promise of God. No, the promise of God comes from God. But when we put him first in everything we do, God blesses the rest. That's what the scripture is saying. So the word, the Hebrew word for first fruits actually was bikkurim, bikkurim, And it was a type of sacrificial offering that would be offered by the ancient Israel people in which the agricultural season, season, the first grown fruits, they would bring to the temple. And they would lay it on the altar as they read out a declaration prayer to thank God for everything that they got. That's what it was. And the promise of God was to put it first. The Hebrew word means a tenth. Why did God make it a tenth? Well, if you figure that out, come tell me, because I have no idea. But it doesn't really matter to me, because if God said to me, Dita, I want you to give 60, I want you to give 10, I want you to give 30, this principle still applies. It's not about the amount, it's about the priority in which we give God. It's about bringing to Him what is His first. And you see, that's the reason God wants to put that there is so that we can see our heart. Our heart. God doesn't want your amount of money, He wants your heart. God doesn't need your money, He wants your heart heart for where your treasure lies your heart will be too and so let's go into the purpose of tithing Deuteronomy fourteen twenty three says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives when I decide to bring back to God what is his already it does three things in my life it has a past a present and a future application You know what it does? It says, God, I'm grateful for the past and what you've done. God, I put you first in everything I do today and God, I trust you for the future. God, I recognize you are the source of everything. You are the most important person in my life and I trust you and I know you're gonna take care of me. That's faith. Where's the place of tithing? Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in Come on, let's read that together. That there may be food in? The church is God's house. It belongs, to, it, it is his mechanism for the gospel. It is his hope for the world through Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. The way he gets it out is through the church. But it says, in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Now, you know how many times this scripture gets read out of context in prosperity gospel? I'm like, come on, I don't know. <laughs> If you will not open the windows of heaven and pour out your blessings until there is no more. You see, what is tithing? Tithing is about bringing to the house of God. Giving to someone in need is good and you should do that. But it's not tithing. Giving to a family member that is in trouble and needs the help and you prioritize it, that's good. But it's not tithing. Giving to social justice like James meant is good. You should always do that. But just remember, it's not tithing. You know what tithing is? Tithing is an act of worship given at a place of worship. It's about putting it first. What day? 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Paul goes on to say to the guys, On every Lord's Day, each of you should put aside something what you have earned during the week and use it for the offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you with. Circle that word, if you've got it in your Bible, Put aside. That means that you've got to plan it. It's thought about. It's pre-thought about. It's not emotional giving. It's not pressurized giving. It's planned giving. God, this is yours. Thank you for what I've received. You get the first of everything. And that is what tithing is. So if you get these two principles, these rock principles, source of God, put him first. The third one is save money faithfully. <laughs> you This is one that sometimes even tests me. I'm like, like if you asked how many South Africans actually save money, I'd be very interested to see what the stats are on that. Because we live in a world where it actually says that people are living on 75% of their salary in debt. But God actually says the way that you do this, and I'm going to show you in Scripture now, is you first realize he's a source, then you put him first, and then you save money. Do you know that God tells us to save money? Many times in the Bible, Jesus spoke about it. He even uses the analogy of not leaving your money underneath a rock, but to rather invest it. He was happy with the servants that he came back that invested what he gave them, the talents that were given to him. And God wants us to live out this principle. Saving is important. Some people spend most of their lives working for money rather than letting their money work for them. So an American business philanthropist, widely considered as one of the most successful investors of the 20th century, his name was um, his name let me just get his name Warren Buffett. I don't know how I forgot that, but <laughs> it's some guy, Warren Buffett. <laughs> Warren Buffett's a top-end businessman, and he had this principle that that when asked, why did you become so successful? He said, well, it's a 10-10-80 principle. And they said, what is the 10-10-80 principle? He says, 10% first goes to God. 10% I save, 80% I spend. And he said, it happens in that priority. And you may say, but I can't afford to save. Well, then I'm going to say, maybe you're spending too much. You see, if you can't afford to save, you're spending too much. Hold on, Dita. What you're saying is that if I give God first, and then I save, and then I spend. Yes, that's exactly the order in which we should be doing it in the biblical principles. You see, Proverbs 21 20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Do you know when I read that scripture, I realize that scripture says more about your IQ than anything else. The wise man saves. Did you know that the average person in Japan actually saves up to 25%? In Europe, they say that the average European saves 18% of their salaries. In America, they say Americans spend more than 1% than they actually have. South Africa's stats at the moment is it says that 75% of income goes towards debt repayments. And that's a grim picture because they say anything above 43% of your salary is dangerous for you. The perfect number is actually 36% of your salary should be saved and not lived on debt. A lot of people go to retirement with nothing saved, and we need to go back to the kingdom principle that God has put in you. We put him first, and then we save. Proverbs twenty-four, twenty-seven says, develop your business first before building the house. A good principle would be to invest, reinvest your money rather than go and redecorate your house immediately first. Next time you, increase, you get an increase or a bonus, think about reinvesting your money because it may get you further than, than going to buy a new car. Do you know, I bought my car and I'm trying to like, when I bought it, it was brand new. I haven't even climbed it and turned it on yet. Thank you, Jesus, for that. That was him providing, actually. But as I got in and I, the guy said to me, and I want to let you know that we'll buy this back in three years at 58% of its value. It's like, it... It devalues. It loses money. I remember buying a mountain bike a year ago, and I had to sell it. This I lost fifty percent of the mountain bike sale. There's no point in things. You know what the thing is? Cars are meant to get us somewhere, not for us to impress people. But we need to realize that we've got to learn to save things. Ecclesiastes 11:2 says, "Invest what you have in several different places." because you don't know what bad things may happen on earth. And I love this because any money guru will tell you to diversify your investing. It's to put it in different places. You see, Proverbs 13.11 11 says, money that comes easily disappears quickly, but money that is gathered little by little will grow. How many of you know, have you ever read, how the, if you've won the lotto, when I was like going through this, I was like, how many of you have been like, Lord, if I could just have the lotto, all my money problems would go tomorrow. How many of you have dreamed about if I won the lotto, what I would do with it? I'd give to the church first. I'd buy that house. Nobody in my family would not have a house. I'm the only one. Do you know that they say that research shows that most people that win the lotto lose it within a number of years. And they end up worse off. Why? Because it's not about how much you get. It's about the consistency in what you use. The Bible says when you let it grow little by little. You don't have to wait until you've got money to start. You can start with the little you've got now. And what God will bless what you, you invest in the right way. It says that he takes what is little and he'll grow it. But it's being consistent in the way that we do that. The fourth principle is track your spending. Know where your finance is going. These days, it's so easy to do on an app. My FMB app's got something called Nav, where you can actually budget your whole salary and plan your spending and your saving. And your app does it for you. As money comes in and does it, the only thing I don't let the app do for me is pay my tithes, because I purposely decide to pay my tithes. Because I want to purposely put God first. And I don't want to go, God, you're only going to get 10%. Some months, I'll pray and pre-decide God wants me to give more. Then I want to give more. But that's the only thing that I don't do. But you can budget. And so good planning is important. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, Good planning and hard work leads to prosperity and hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Proverbs 27, 23 says, the rich can disappear fast and the king's crown doesn't stay in the family forever. So watch your business, interests closely, know the state of your flocks and your herds. You see, in those days, there were no banks. So your investments were always put into sheep and cattle and stocks and livestocks. And so you've got to know where your finance is going. The Bible is telling us, know what it is. And so here are four quick facts that would help you is if you ever want to get control of your finance, it's saying, I need to know what I own. I need to know what I earn. I need to know what I owe. And I need to know where it goes. Budgeting and planning is a biblical, it's important to make sure that you are taking good stewardship of what God's given you. Proverbs 23, 5 says, your money flies away before you know it, just like an eagle suddenly takes off. Sometimes I've been there. I've been unwise with something I should have been wiser with, and I'm like, where did it go? The Bible's saying you shouldn't have that. You should actually know where it goes. You should be taking stock of where it's going. Fifth, plan your spending. Can I get the worship team up, please? Plan your spending. Is this helping anybody? Okay, the four of you, I'm glad. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Proverbs 21.5 says, plans of a diligent leads to profit and um, as surely as haste leads to poverty. Circle the word on that scripture, haste. This is what you would call, marketeers would call impulse purchases. How many of you have ever done any impulse purchasing? Come on, I think we've all been in that position. I once bought an expensive chair on impulse, and I brought it home, and Abby didn't dig it. So I said, why don't you just take a seat in it first, before you tell me to take it back. And she took a seat in it, and eventually she came around. Ah, no, but seriously, I was in London once, and I was in Heathrow, and I needed a book to read. And so on an impulse purchase, I bought an impulse purchase about a book, which was about how to stop impulse purchasing. <laughs> I was in retail at the time, and I, I wanted to understand the concept and the mindset of insult. But I thought, well, what's the irony in that? Buy a book that about stopping impulse purchasing by buying it on an impulse. We've all been there. You can't go to Woolworths these days without your kids, and you have to start praying. Lord, please, the budget is really not big enough. Woolworths are so clever with those little chuckles at that. that. So, what do you got to do to get it under control? Rick Warren says this. He says you got to nip it in the budget. How do you get into a good habit? You nip it in the budget. You're seeing that you, you plan what you're about to spend. You see, it says you've got to live on a budget. So Proverbs 21, 20 says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but the fool spends whatever he gets. You've got to stop your impulse purchasing. You've got to plan it. Proverbs 21, 5 says, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. The other thing you've got to do is you've got to plan your repayment if you've got debt. Romans 13, 8. This is a stinger for me when I read it said, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continued debt to love one another for whoever loves others will be filled with the law. Sometimes you may have debt, but do you have a plan to get out of that debt or are you just living from month to month? You've got a plan. You've got to think of it in advance. Not go to spur immediately as money goes into your salary. Nobody in Melbourne goes to spur. We all go to the heart. Right? And then lastly is Have you made a will? How many of you made a will? I went to a lawyer because we're dealing with something I needed to speak to an attorney about this week. And they said, hey, I want to let you know, September month is will month. We give all your kids wills. That's great. I don't know what they're leaving behind yet. (laughs) But but I love the picture of a will because a will means I'm going to tell my money where to go. I'm not going to let my money tell me where to go. And sometimes Stephen Covey even says, when you start with the end in mind, you can work backwards from there and know where to start today. And so get a will. The last point is this. Enjoy what you have. Learn to enjoy what you have. If you're only going to be happy when you get more, you're never going to be happy. Oh, Here's a thought. How much money does it take to make a person happy? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. You know, I've got friends that work offshore and they, 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 they need to work offshore and they're like uh, riggers and... But, but when he started this job he was making good money he said I'm only going to do this to set my family up and then we're going to be saleys and then he came home and he went back and he came home today 12 years later he's still doing it I'm going when are you going to stop you've bought three houses you bought the cars you've been... he says just a little bit more how many of us live with just a little bit more then I'll be happy I want to let you know your ice cream's going to melt while you're counting the speckles on the next person's ice cream God wants you to enjoy what He's given you. Be content. It's a principle in the Bible. Be content with what God's given you. My son, we went to buy that ice cream and milk the other day. And the first thing is that, you know, that little blue shop. And as we bought the ice cream, the funny thing is they always pick each a different creator because that lady's so cool and she does different sprinkles and chuckles and astros and whatever. Another now the one has, has got theirs and then they look, oh, I should have gone for the jelly toss too times in life do we do that we're always looking at what somebody else has got instead of being content with what we've got ecclesiastes 519 says whoever also whenever god gives people wealth and riches he enables them to enjoy it what you have god's enabled you to enjoy it are you enjoying it or you wanting to get to the next fix To accept their place in the world and find pleasure in their hard work. All of this is a gift from God. Happiness. Contentment and happiness are two different things. You see, contentment is on the inside. You know, happiness is determined by the response to what you have. Not in what you have. So some of us need to realize, I'm only gonna be happy when I have this thing. No, it's the response, the contentment. When I go, I'm so grateful for what I have, you'll have a change in the way that you approach that. So in conclusion, I wanna just paint a quick picture. Recognize that your source is from God. Put God first. Save then. And getting to a plan of starting to save. Be faithful in your tithing. Plan what you do. Enjoy what you have. Can we just stand quickly as we, as we worship? We're going to go into a quick tag on worship, but I want us just to have that on our minds. You see, Luke sixteen eleven says, "And if you are untrustworthy with what, sorry, if you are untrusty about worldly wealth, who will entrust you with the riches of heaven?" got to be faithful with what we have so let's just trust God as we just ask us just to bow our heads for a moment just silence ourselves and maybe just if you want to stand surrendered with your arms up or your hands out and ask God just to to speak to you in this moment I want to come back to the scripture and I want to read it because it may mean something different to you now that we've gone through this this message Matthew 7, 24 says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is like a wise person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rains come and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's been built on something strong. It's been built on God's perfect foundation of Jesus Christ. He has a will for you. He has a purpose for you. And we need to align in our time, our talent, and our treasure. And we need to ask God, even over this next few weeks, as we focus on build to last, next week we're talking about families and marriages. Trust Him through this next few weeks. If you're standing here this morning and you just want prayer this morning in the areas of finance, this is... I believe God wants to do a miracle and the miracle is when He changes the way we see things in our mind and the hearts and the way we realize, we get a revelation of who He is. So if you just need area, it's just every head bowed, every eye closed out of respect, you just give me a quick wave and I want to pray for you this morning on the counts of three. One, two, three. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that everything comes from you and returns to you. We pray for the discernment and the wisdom to steward what you have placed in our hands, Father God. And I pray, Father God, that we don't just steward it for our own will, Father God, but we steward it for your will, Father God, that it may grow and it may reach its purpose that you've intended for it, Father God. But in everything that it does, it brings you glory. It draws attention to you, Father God. And every testament that we have through our finance and our faith, as we get disciplined around it, Father God, I pray you get the glory in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to let you know that that's your best step. It's your first step, your best step. It's the best decision I ever made. And I've never looked back. Because it's not as if God came in with a magic wand and changed my whole life. But what He did is He changed me in the process. And if you believe that you're needing to change the process, maybe you've done things in your life that you either feel regrettable for or you feel condemnation, I want to let you know that anyone in Christ is set free in these moments. And it's Him helping grow our character and our walk, our relationship with Him. And if you want to share that relationship with Jesus Christ, and you have never started, I want to give you an opportunity to start that today. And all it is, is about saying a prayer, but also just acknowledging. So I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand on the count of three. Only... Not as an acknowledgement to me, but an acknowledgement between you and God. And just say, God, here I am. Because that is you on the count of three. For God so loved the world that He gave His only beloved Son. Two, that whoever believes Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Three, if that's you, can you just give me a quick wave? Thank you at the back. Thank you at the back. Thank you at the back. Thank you on the side. Thank you, Jesus, for every single hand. If you are here, one more time, if you actually... I want to accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. This is the most important time. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit for speaking into hearts this morning. Maybe, church, we can say this prayer together quickly. Heavenly Father, we love you. I recognize I'm a sinner. And I don't get it right all the time. And that's why I needed a Savior. Because of what you did on the cross. You died, you rose again, and you're seated on the throne. Lord God, I wanna change my ways and I wanna follow you for the rest of my days. Won't you come into my heart now and transform me from the inside out as I live out my days for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just let out a praise and just thank God. Just quickly before we shut, I wanna let you know if you did make that decision, Do you know that it says billions of angels are celebrating in heaven right now for one that comes home? It is chaos. When you get to heaven, you'll realize how important that is. So actually, I just want to celebrate with you, but not only celebrate with you, we want to walk with you. So, you know, just like in baseball, you don't hit a home run and then you don't get to cover the bases. You still have to hit the home run. You hit a spiritual home run today but you've still got to cover the basis. I encourage you, tell somebody today that you have chosen to accept Jesus Christ in your life today. And then I encourage you, why don't you come, if you want prayer at the end of our service, we'll have our prayer team up front and they'd love to pray with you as they walk you through that journey. I'm going to stop talking now in Jesus' name. (laughs)